Another Way to Play, episode 29. Hey, this is Mike Young, seasoned entrepreneur, author, and host of the Made Over podcast. If you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9-to-5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is someone who I'm very excited to bring on. Uh, It's Mike Young. He's the host of a top-rated podcast called The Made Over Podcast, author of a book, Made Over, How to Create a Powerful Brand That Will Transform Your Business and Save Your Life, and a seasoned entrepreneur. Uh, He created the makeover method and is known as the makeover master. No, we're not talking about physical appearance. We're talking about uh, interpersonal business, uh, self-conversation, that sort of thing. He works with uh, dedicated entrepreneurs through mentorship, coaching, training, strategy, and design to completely transform their online presence and personal brands uh, and using his unique process, the complete brand makeover experience. Mike and I have a great conversation and actually have a few things in common. One is uh, we were both college athletes. He was a baseball player with dreams of turning pro, which he talks about um, not panning out due to a number of uh, injuries and such, um, but then getting into the mortgage business and experiencing an incredibly high high, um, as he put it, being a liquid millionaire. And then over the course of six months between 2007 and 2008, going to a negative $200,000 net worth. During our conversation, uh, we have a couple of things that are really worth listening for. So uh, the first thing you want to definitely pay attention to is uh, for the very first step that Mike took, and he recommends anyone who's looking to improve their situation, step one, do something different. Uh, If you want to step into a different version of you or a different business, you have to take a different action. He also talked about a time in his life when he became incredibly selfish and what he meant by that, because as he he put it, um, he was buying a lot of homeless people coffee, uh, probably literally and metaphorically, um, but he sees that as too small of a gesture. And at the very, very end of the conversation, he finishes up uh, with uh, talking about the shortcut to success is to gain extreme clarity on what it is you want to do and why, most importantly, and then find a mentor through um, hiring someone or uh, working for free or something like that to who uh, for someone who has actually done that uh, and get in their world and, and figure out how to do it for yourself. So uh, this is a really fantastic episode. I know you're going to love it. Um, once you're done, go down into the show notes. You'll find all his information as well as my Calendly link because I would love to have a personal one-on-one conversation with you uh, to learn a little bit about uh, what you're liking on the show, who uh, we should bring on, what questions I should be asking that I'm not already, um, and how I can just generally make it a better listening experience and more educational for you. So look forward to connecting with you there. And without any further ado, here is my conversation with Mike Young. Mike, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. It's a real pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me on, man. 
You're quite welcome. Well, we've kind of seen your journey here in the intro, talked about it a little bit, but and you've had a really interesting one, so I'm definitely excited to get into it. But before we do that, uh, why don't you take us back a little bit and, and explain to us, build a little context and tell us where your journey actually began. Yeah, you know, I mean, to go all the way back, I, I spent the first 23 years of my life thinking I was going to be a pro baseball player. Um, it, I was kind of one of those kids that just <laughs> ate, drank, and slept baseball, you know, and sleep in my baseball hat. And and I I think that period of my life taught me some things, some good things, and, and maybe some bad things. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it taught me how to stay very singularly focused on a vision. Um, I really didn't think about job. I didn't think too much about grades other than the fact that that grades in school were allowing me opportunities to go into college and play into college, you know, those types of things. And I was very much one track focused on uh, not having a plan B is, I guess, the way to describe it. Mm -hmm. I was going to be a pro baseball player or bust. And then it, it got into my junior year of college where I realized like this, this may not actually happen. I might not be good enough to go to that next level. Um, and so I, you know, around the age of 21, 22, I kind of started to realize like, not, I wouldn't say delusional, but there was a disconnect. There was a disconnect with what my brain wanted to do and, and what my body and my physical abilities could possibly do. I tore my elbow in my freshman year of college. And so, mm -hmm. Uh, I think that period, you know, going into college and having to adjust, you know, just just to recognize, okay, this this isn't working out how I had planned, and I need to make an adjustment here. And that's that's what led me into getting my first job. Um, I ended up with a friend in the mortgage industry at the time. Uh, this is like nineteen ninety seven, nineteen ninety eight, and uh, she just said, "I think you'd be great as a as a mortgage originator." Or loan officer, whatever you want to call it. And I kind of just, I remember thinking at the time, I just wanted to earn some money. You know, I, mm -hmm. I kind of was that broke, struggling college kid that a lot of kids are, you know, I didn't have yep. student loans and stuff, but just wanted to earn some money. And I went into the mortgage space and that led me through essentially a decade of figuring out how to run my own business, how to you know, the mortgage origination field is very much like being an entrepreneur. You're kind of running your own little mini practice or mini team, mini business, even though a lot of times your company or your organization has rules that you have to play by. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, and we, we started a company in 2003, me and five business partners. Uh, we ran it to 10 offices, 250 employees right before uh, the housing crisis in the U.S. in 2008. And that that essentially took my company, my assets, my self-worth, my, my esteem, you know, uh, mm -hmm. all down to zero, you know, in a period between 2007 and 2008. Um, I went from liquid millionaire to about $200,000 in debt in less than six months. Wow. Um, and and that, that was the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey. I, I was, I basically quit my company before it went under. Um, I knew I could see the writing on the wall. And I found myself alone in a home office, uh, wife, one kid, my kid was one year old at the time, um, really wondering what the hell am I going to do next? Because I knew, I knew I wanted to live that entrepreneurial dream, you know, more money, more income, less meetings, less phone calls, you know, all those things that we dream about. I just didn't know how the hell I was going to do it. 
just in the last couple of minutes, you've talked pretty about about two or even maybe three serious adjustments um, and corrections in your life. Obviously, the the big quantifiable one was, you know, the liquidity of being a millionaire and having 10 offices and having this great business down to being substantially in debt. But the other one was also sort of moving away from your childhood dream of, of becoming a baseball player. Did that pra- idea or that practice of sort of seeing writing on the wall and having that disconnect physically from your from your aspirations sort of prepare you for that next step of of the crash and and going from hero to zero, if you will, or, or was that a whole new skill set you had to develop each time? To be honest, I didn't begin to process both of those events until the last few years, which I think is, is pretty much, I, I wouldn't say it's normal, but I think it is fairly normal human behavior to want to avoid pain, uh, to want to fo- avoid things that that are kind of that fight or flight mentality. And I wanted to desperately get away from things that were causing me pain. And and they were causing me to essentially, you know, not want, not want to feel that way. But I didn't, that was actually a huge turning point in my current business was the day that I recognized that most of the game is, is played by between the five and a half inches between your ears. Mm-hmm. Um, And, and so it was, I was in my forties before I ever processed the fact of how much pain, not becoming, not living out your childhood dreams, like you said, and, and having a business go, you know, kind of hero to bust in such a short period of time. I didn't process it for almost a decade. Wow. And I imagine there was also a practicality to sort of burying some of that. Cause if you're sitting there with, with a family and you know some debt and all the you know in an industry around you that had just totally collapsed i mean you probably don't have a whole lot of time to be able to process uh some of this stuff and and you're just trying to figure out how to survive at that moment yeah you you it's it's interesting i think it is kind of a uh, safety mechanism in our brains we you know i i really became addicted to knowledge accumulation i began buying like it was kind of like waking up and feeling like I'm going to fricking figure this out. I'm, I'm the guy with the car. I'm not going to go to the gas station and ask for a map. You know, I had too much pride or too much ego or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to figure this game out on my own. And so my addiction to escape wasn't drugs. It wasn't heroin, although I, I did a ton of alcohol. Uh, um, but it, but it was an addiction to, to knowledge. It was addiction to buying the next book or taking the next course or going to the next event or seminar or mastermind or coaching. And, you know, all told, you know, eight and a half years later between, you know, really 2004 and 2014, um, I'd been to, you know, dozens and dozens of conferences. I, I had read, you know, damn near a thousand books only to find myself in a place where my business still wasn't working. Um, I'd spent over $200,000 between 2004 and 2014 on knowledge accumulation on travel and seminars and events and courses and shit. And, Mm -hmm. and found myself in 2015 in a place where this still was not working. Let's talk about that for a minute because you had sort of accumulated all this knowledge, which you know, by most accounts would be 
you know, the key or the pathway to success, you know, whether, whether you agree with college or not, and, you know, traditional education sources, that's kind of irrelevant, but the narrative of education is whether it's entrepreneurial or traditional is there. And you're saying that you, you, you took that ride and you went and you, you invested in it heavily, both time and financially and otherwise, um, but yet it still didn't get you down or down the path that you, you were hoping for. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's one thing to accumulate knowledge. It's another thing to actually apply it and then learn the lessons you need to learn and convert that into wisdom for yourself. And so I was, I I was taking action, but it was delusional action. I was always, I was always reading the next, like if you look at business, right? Business is pretty simple. How many people found out about you today that are new uh, did those people want to get to know you enough that they were willing to take the first step to get to know you more? Um, mm-hmm. How many of those people end up emerging into kind of a sales con- kind of a conversation asking about your products and services? And how many people bought from you today? You know, so it's like this very simple thing with business. But my delusional action was I was reading and taking courses all the time, but I was ignoring those foundational basic steps of putting yourself out there because God forbid, if I put myself out there, um, I might fail again because I put myself out there with baseball. I put myself out there with the mortgage industry and both of those ended up in a very painful place. And I think, and I wasn't thinking this way, you know, even, even five, six years ago, I wasn't thinking about it. It was to wake up in a place where, your body, your mind, your, your entire being is doing everything to avoid getting hurt again. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, I, you know, it's kind of like the dating world, you know, if you, if you really fall in love with somebody and they end up breaking your heart, you, you sometimes go through years where you're not willing to get back in the next relationship. And that, that's kind of how I view it is, is my mortgage experience was painful enough um, I was, I was forgetting to take the next thing and put myself back out on the dance floor again. And if you, so why don't you take us into that moment when you sort of got clear on that? You said sometime in 2015, you know, post meltdown and, and post, you know, your business falling apart and then, and then you're sitting there with the debt and the family and the whole thing. And you've by all accounts accumulated a lot of knowledge, but you're still trying to like flip the switch like what was the thing that switched over for you to to take you into the direction that you've gone into now I was in this I was in this period of uh, I had kind of fallen into in 2016 I met a really good friend of mine uh, we met in uh, digital marketers community their engaged community and uh, we just kind of hit it off and he was in online advertising. And so he kind of started mentoring me like, well, here's your gap here. You, you don't, you know, all this, this book smart stuff, but you need to package your stuff in this way. And you gotta, you gotta put it out and here's how ads work. And it, it led me to this place. Uh, it led me down the rabbit hole of, of click funnels, Russell Brunson's world. Mm-hmm. Um, and one night I was, I ended up um, looking at Garrett White stuff and I was, I was actually looking at it from the standpoint of kind of funnel hacking in a way where it was like, I'm going to figure out what's he actually doing? Like what's, what's his front end marketing message and what's his next step and what's his next step? So I ended up buying his book. It's called the, the Warrior Book by Garrett J. White. And the book arrives. It's a $100 book. 
And I just figured, shit, it's a hundred dollar book. It's gotta be worthwhile. But his story was very similar to mine, mortgage industry failure. And he just talked about the process he built to get out of it. But the book itself, I, I think shouldn't be called the warrior book. It should be called uh, how men can process their feelings and journal every day and meditate and get out of their own head. But Got it. I think if it was titled that no, no guy would ever buy it. Cause we don't, you know, like right. directions, but he was a catalyst for me. He, he really got something clicked to where I realized the problem was not outside of me. It wasn't my marketing. It wasn't my advertising. It wasn't even my product or my knowledge. It was a hundred percent the conversation I was having every day in my head that had to shift before anything else would. And what can you outline for us uh, what the conversation was and then what it changed to post book? The conversation to, to try not to be explicit was you're a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, you suck. You're a loser. Um, you've, you've spent all this money accumulating knowledge. Your business still isn't working. It was, it was a very negative conversation, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, there's a lot of noise in all of our heads, you know, and, and you get to tell yourself a story. And the story I was telling myself was not, getting the results that I wanted. I began to process, that was the first time actually that I began to recognize how much pain I was actually in from the baseball, from not becoming a professional baseball player. I, I had kind of ignored that. I, I basically realized I wasn't gonna be a pro baseball player, got a job and never, never fully processed it, talked with anybody about it, any, anything like that. And, and, when I wrote that down, I was journaling every day. I was like waking up at 4.30 in the morning and still working very hard. And, mm -hmm. and I journaled one day about that. And I just, it was kind of that aha moment. Like, oh, there, there's these moments in your life that have happened that sometimes you never fully deal with. And until you deal with them, admit the truth, and then process them, you're not, a, you're not allowed to move on. And so it, that led me that led me to a place where I recognized the problem was in my head and I needed some help. And it led me to a place where I started asking for help. I asked for help from a couple of different mentors. I went on my own kind of quote unquote spiritual journey to, to, you know, really say enough is enough. It's, it's time for me to start getting the results. It's been, you know, at this point it had been, nearly eight and a half years since the loss of my mortgage company, it was time for me to kind of put that, that story behind me and, and start getting new results. Really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I've uh, definitely had a similar experience when I left my athletic career. Um, you know, we, I, I was fortunate enough to be on the team to make it to the Olympics uh, in rowing and had an opportunity to medal, but we just did not hit it on our day uh, on the day of the final and we're fourth and that, you know, I, I was fortunate. I had support around me that I didn't carry that for eight and a half years, but mm. you know, definitely for a handful um, and definitely had to do some pretty deep work and admit to myself and some other people that, you know, there was, there was some pain behind that and there was a lot of unpacking to do from many years of training and childhood and all the other stuff that goes into our insecurities. And, um, so I can, totally you know, at the end of the that. day too, it's a, a lot of it comes down to the fact that we form our own identity 
in our minds. And so when mm-hmm. the identity, if the, if the identity is around a sport and that gets stripped away, uh, the yeah. identities around money and stuff and, you know, like this, this, uh, you know, American dream that people like to say where it's like, oh, your job is to go to high school, college, then you get a job, then you start your own company, then you get a wife and two kids and a big house and two cars. You know, I had, I had done all that. Mm-hmm. And that identity that I'd wrapped myself around got stripped away from me in less than six months. And so when your identity gets stripped away, you have to, you have to kind of process, how am I going to rebuild this? And, and you get to a place, I think, where you, re, you recognize that the, the sense of identity that you thought you were or that you thought you had was an illusion to begin with. It was all this story you built up in your mind. You're, you're totally right. And, and being somewhat on the other side of that, both you and I, you know, can see those sorts of things in perspective, but like thinking back to that moment when you're still wrapped up in that story, you've told yourself, like, what is something that worked for you that was able to sort of catalyst you out? Was it the, the mentorship or was there something else that, that really helped you sort of take step one on that, on that process of letting go of, of that story? I think step one was I, I had to actually do something different. You know, it's that, that old Einstein quote or whatever, if, uh, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over again, expecting different results. I, I really believe that step one is kind of this, this process where you're betting on yourself, where you go, you, you kind of say, I want new results. I'm worth getting new results. And that's a big thing is, is just feeling worthy of it, mm-hmm. uh, loving yourself enough to just say that I'm worth this. So that was step one for me was, was I'm, I'm worth it and I'm willing to, to take risks or do what it takes to get new results. Uh, and then absolutely for me, I ran into two very specific mentors and that, that dramatically sped up my learning curve and changed the game for me, for sure. There's some proverb that's like you know once the student is ready the teacher will appear it it sounds like that's that's a little bit uh applicable to your story here looking back it was literally it was uh i was working legit i'm i'm a little bit obsessive in that regard i was i was working legitimately 24 7 i was uh i would i would think about work in my sleep. I'd wake up, I'd, I'd kind of do this breakfast routine with the kids. I'd get them off to school with my wife. Then I would go to work. I'd come home. I'd do, uh, like if we, if the kids had sports or something, I'd do that. I'd have dinner and I would go back to the office till midnight or one every single day. I did that for about four months in 2016. Um, you know, I was doing these crazy things. I listened to Everything that Russell Brunson had ever recorded, including five years of his podcast in 42 mm-hmm. days. Wow. And, and I just, I was in this process of, if I don't know it, let me immerse myself into it. And it's, it, it was such a simple thing. I watched a Facebook live from a good friend of mine now who is one of my mentors, Mitch Miller. I was on a podcast or I was in my office on a Sunday and he had a Facebook live. And at the very end of it, he said, I'm surprised when people are stuck, more people don't ask for help. And so I legitimately just asked for help on, on the next day's post he had or something. I said, I'm stuck and I feel like I could use some help. And that was all it took. That was mm-hmm. like the, the 
teacher and the student, you know, being ready type of thing that you just yep. mentioned was it all, all it took was for me to make one silly comment on a Facebook thread saying I could use some help. And, and the, the curtain was kind of peeled back at that point for me. It's amazing when we're, when we're young, it's like you always raise your hand in class and you're always, it's sort of encouraged to go ask questions and, and ask why and, and ask for help in some way. But as we start to age and get older, that is almost shunned. Like you're almost, you're pretty much expected to have it figured out by your early twenties and, you know, heaven forbid if you haven't by your thirties or your forties or whatever, but going back and being curious and being a student or asking for someone who is more experienced uh, than you and asking for their input and their help is one of the most um, crucial and impactful things that's happened in my business and my world personally, it sounds like same for you. Yeah. I think when you, especially too, I was just, I was getting into my forties. And so you do feel shame. Like I'm 40 years old. I haven't figured this out yet, you know? And, and so that, again, that's a, that's part of the story that was replaying over and over again in, in between my ears. And you kind of just have to, you have to shift the conversation and start telling yourself something new. Speaking of starting something new, you, you've sort of, you, you take step one, you do something different in your life and then, um, and then you find these mentors and, you know, 2015, 2016, you start, I'm assuming that's, that's the turning point in your world. And, um, at what point does the book and the, and then the makeover method actually come into play for you in your, in your business? Yeah. You know, in, um, you know, as I was going through this, this journey and this process, at some point I could like feel the momentum or feel the shift happening. It, it was a physical thing. It was like, I was literally becoming a different person and I was surrounding myself with the right people that was, I was getting my questions answered immediately. I was finding out what works and what doesn't faster and so I began, the book actually was the start for me was just me getting out of my head. Like I started to see certain things working and certain things that didn't matter. And I was journaling a lot, like, like why did this work and why didn't it? And I was processing my own thoughts around it. Um, and then I kind of looked down at it one day and I was like, shit, this is a book, you know, like this is, I, I wasn't, I didn't start with the intention to write a book, but I, uh, after about a year, I kind of said like, these are the fundamental things I believe you need to solve if you want to create a business and a brand, um, that's powerful, that's going to attract your ideal clients. That's going to give you the, that business in life that you want. Um, so that's how the book came about was me processing that information. And I would have never been able to write the book if it weren't for my friend, uh, Elizabeth Lyons. She, she basically helps entrepreneurs write their first book through an, an interview process. And so I was able to talk out all of my thoughts and concepts and feelings um, and, and basically come back at the end and just do an edit of the whole thing. Um, otherwise, the book never would have gotten done for sure. But that, that was it. It was, it, was all, it was all me taking the, the knowledge I had and taking massive action for a year and then mm -hmm. documenting why it, why it started to work. That's incredible. And at what point did the the business of, you know, your makeover method and and the work that you do with the clients that you have now, when did that come into play? You know, I was running a graphic design company for the most part. I I've always been wired to 
really coach and mentor that's like just that's what gives me energy i realized like to do that you actually have to you have to go through it for yourself first mm-hmm. so there was a period i became extremely selfish but it was it was with the idea that i'm doing this now becoming extremely selfish so that later i can become extremely unselfish and and so i went through maybe a 6 or or 12 month stretch where i was doing everything everything was based on what's right for me what's what's right for mike young and and i say that because the previous decade i'd almost self sabotage myself at every time i could um mm. my mindset was so wrecked before that that i didn't feel i didn't find myself worthy i definitely didn't love myself and and so i would do these little sabotaging things like not eat dessert at family dinners because i wasn't good enough or i'd always mm. eat last or order last because everybody was more important so i went through this this weird year where i made myself the priority and mm. just said look i'm going to i'm going to do what's right for me and that included cleaning up my inner circle that included me removing my my time from certain family members that weren't i wouldn't say that they were against me but they they probably didn't have the context to support me in the way i needed to be supported so i had to limit my time to certain people and relationships and mm-hmm. really get focused on making my myself whole before i could mm-hmm. ever help anybody else yeah uh, and what's interesting is we've been talking for the last 20 or so minutes and um, at, at no point in this conversation have you talked about anything specific that you learned during those 10 years of study in the courses with the exception of, you know, working on yourself and journaling. And mm. that's something that's, I mean, it's rare to sort of have that conversation because everyone wants to talk about you know, the, the latest click funnel thing or the, this marketing strategy or YouTube or whatever, but you've spent a ton of time and emphasis. And I want the audience to really key in on this working on yourself and, and cleaning up your thoughts, your circle of friends and family, um, and, and really working on you, the person first, as opposed to you as a business or you as an entrepreneur. Yeah, I believe, I mean, the, the makeover method that I talk about in the book, the bo- it's a pyramid and the bottom of the pyramid is mindset because I, I truly believe this. If you, if you can't regulate yourself and your own thoughts and your, your own ha- habits and patterns and relationships, if you can't control your mindset and yourself, you have no business trying to regulate somebody else or help somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, and so I had to, I, it was just one of those things. I'd gotten it backwards for so long. I was, I'd learned something and try and help somebody. And I learned something and it, it felt like, it felt like the broke guy that would get a dollar in and he'd, he'd immediately give that dollar to somebody on the street. Mm-hmm. But the guy, you know, it's kind of like it's bass backwards because you know, if I had taken the time to be selfish and let's say like more like Bill Gates, you know, accumulated a, a couple billion dollars, then mm-hmm. I could take that money and really help somebody. The way I was mm-hmm. doing it is I was always buying these homeless people, you know, cups of coffee. 
And that wasn't making a difference in their life. It wasn't making a difference in my life. It was, it was too small of a, a gesture. And, mm-hmm. and so that period of time where, where I was getting myself organized, my mindset and, and everything else, there was a means to an end for me. It was, let me get, let me get so solid that I can pour into others from a full cup, you know, without dealing with my own psychological issues. Man, that's really an incredible realization. And I appreciate you sharing it because it's something that does not get talked about um, enough, in my opinion, the mental health side generally. But, um, you know, even if you have spent this year, uh, you know, being selfish, as you've put it, and then and then bring a full cup to the conversation when it comes to helping others, I can imagine that there are times when your self-talk or just the conversation in your head can shift or tend back to the negative and to the old ways. But what are some strategies that you use now to, to recognize and then regulate that? Um, and if someone's obviously going through something similar, like how can they apply those to their, their life? Yeah, man, I think, I think the first to, to briefly go back to what you mentioned just a couple minutes ago about the tools, the widgets, the marketing hacks, the funnels, the, the many chat sequences, all this stuff, that stuff is all still there. And once you get to the other side and you recognize like the business model and, and your mindset and you kind of you, you fix that, you see it in a whole new light because it's no longer noise it's just like there's a million tools to market your business. Mm -hmm. They always existed. They're always still there. You can kind of go back to them and you can hire experts to do all that crap for you. Um, So you can hire somebody that spent the last three years of their life in many chat and hire them instead of having to figure it all out yourself. But to answer your question is, your old self, your old identity will continue to try and drag you back down, kind of like hermit crabs do. They try and yep. drag you back into the bucket. And so you need to, I think for me, you don't need to do anything. You can do whatever you want, right? But for me, it was about getting extremely clear on what I wanted. Like, mm. like more clarity about what I wanted and how I wanted things to function to such a deep level that you, you're not trying to make stuff up. You know, I, I knew exactly what I wanted, why I wanted it, how I wanted it structured. And the clarity speeds up your decision making on everything. You can immediately just like if, and the example I would use is just, let's just say, I'm not going to work on weekends. I'm going to spend that time with fat, sad, or, uh, family. And somebody comes and they say, will you meet with me on Sunday for this podcast? And like my answer is an instant no, because it's like, I've got these rules and boundaries around the clarity of what I want. And so you can speed up your decision-making there. And as you, I think the answer is daily conditioning. You Mm -hmm. have to create sustainable habits and patterns in your life where you can repeat them every day and not go through periods of burnout. And, and to be very frank, I do not do that very well. Naturally. I'm, I'm like, I'm the guy that would work six months, 24 seven to the place where his wife and kids are like surprised when he comes home, you know, like I'm that guy. 
Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm only now getting to the place where I'm starting to master my daily habits and routines. And, and it's, it's daily conditioning. It's journaling every day. It's meditation every day. It's for me, it's yoga. It's, um, it's getting to that place where what can you do every single day so that you don't fall back into old patterning? Yep. So cre creating a habit, uh, or a, rather a, a daily practice of something to sort of anchor yourself in that conviction around what it is you want, you know, whether it's meditation or just going there mentally and thinking like, if I want to have a business in a lifestyle, that's a certain way, like stepping into that mentally or um, as you said journaling and turning that into something physical and written uh, those sorts of most, things are what most, you're saying you know most people they they most people you ask them the most simple question what do you want and they can't answer it and so it's mm -hmm. just really you've got to take the time to get clear on what you actually want first and if you think about it that whole thing of I want this to happen well it hasn't happened yet so it's kind of this future-based illusion until you do something about it and and nobody else in the world like really supports that because it's an illusion it's they haven't seen it manifest yet so your your family and friends and the people that are around you they end up feeling like you feel like they're against you mm -hmm. but but the people that care about you most they want to keep you safe and mm -hmm. the people that want to keep you safe have been sold a story of safety means go to high school, go to college, get a job, save for your retirement. And entrepreneurship is the opposite of that. And, and so the people closest to you that want you to be safe actually give you advice that's counterintuitive to what you actually want a lot of times. Well, I think you, maybe you should get a job, you know? It's, it doesn't seem yeah. like this entrepreneurship thing's working out for you. And, and I would just say like enlist a couple people, a couple mentors that have been there before or done what you're trying to do and, and keep them on your side. You know, I still, every two weeks I work with a mindset conditioning coach because he was a, um, his name's Clay Moffat. He was a huge part of my journey and my shift was, was to deal with my mindset first. I still work with him every two weeks. I still do daily rituals and routines that, are designed to keep my operating system towards the new mic instead of the old mic. That's, that's really fantastic that you do that daily practice. And I, I'm, I mean, I, I implement a lot of that in my own life and I'm guilty of definitely missing time with it. And I can, I can tell a difference if I do something and, and, or do my journaling or do uh, read or whatever it is I'm doing that morning um, and, and take a day off on a weekend or what have you, it, it definitely ripples in an interesting way. So having that daily focus and practice is crucial. I totally agree with that. Yeah. And I, I would just say to your audience, like, I don't want to, I don't want to give people the wrong impression. I have bad days all the time. I have things go wrong all the time. I make mistakes all the time. Like there's, there's days that I'm, I wake up or, or at the end of the day, I look back and I'm like, ah, I kind of pissed away two hours here or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I, but I think when you go to set your own rules, cause a, a lot of entrepreneurship is about setting order to chaos. Mm -hmm. So you, you try and order your life and your team and your systems and your structure in a way that is going to get you the results you want. I think one mistake I see people make is they make those rules in the beginning too rigid. 
Mm. Um, and so they, they get very discouraged very fast because they're like, I'm going to wake up at 3 a.m. and I'm going to work out and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this at midnight. And the, and the system they set up is so damn rigid that after day one, they've already blown it. It's kind of like New Year's resolutions. Yep. They just like seven days into it, they're, they're just like, fuck this. It's too hard. Yep. Totally. <laughs> well, and I mean, in that vein, like how do you then – if you're someone who's listening to this, like, Hey, I'd like to, you know, put a practice in a place and get in and do something to condition myself daily to the goals that I want to achieve, but I don't want to have that burnout effect because I've tried that and, and failed. And I know that feeling. Um, what's one way that someone can attack this without putting that rigidity and that, that setting themselves up for failure? I think, I think setting up, um, some sort of uh, subcategories, so to speak. So if, if I said, look, I'm, I'm overweight and I want to, I want to lose weight, then, then setting up some sort of set of rules for yourself and something simple in the beginning, like I, I'm only going to focus on going to this exercise routine at 830 in the morning for a half hour a day. And that's all I'm going to focus on right now and do that for 21 days straight. And then once you've got that and be like, okay, the next thing I'm going to focus on is I'm going to, I'm going to reduce the amount of carbs I eat by making sure that only one meal a day has carbs in it. And you, you begin making progress. Cause I, I think that human beings get, I don't know, like a dopamine hit or something when they see constant improvement. Yeah, And so it's the improvement that we need to grab a hold of. It's just like, was my day better today than it was yesterday? And I think if you can do that and constantly be tweaking and making improvements. And I, I think another big one for me is I don't believe in right or wrong anymore. I, mm. I just believe that I know where I want to head. I'm taking the most appropriate action that day. That's going to get me closer to my goals and, and sometimes it just doesn't work out. Sometimes the thing that you think is best turns out to fall on its face. And, and so I, I kind of just am always watching my energy. Like, did that, did that get me the results I thought I wanted? Or, or did picking up this client or this other thing, did it get me the results I wanted? And sometimes the answer is no, but it's not, it didn't make it wrong. It just made it something I tried that didn't work. And so I'm going to try something different that gives me energy the next day. Hell yeah. Well, Mike, I could sit here and talk to you about this all day, but I want to respect your time. Um, I really appreciate everything you've, you've talked about because this has been hugely valuable. And, and I, I want to just commend you for bringing light to this topic because I think it's something that's so crucially important as a foundational piece of anything any of us do, entrepreneurial or otherwise. Um, but in the interest of time, I want to go ahead and transition us to the uh, final round of questions that I ask every guest on every show called the Focus Five. Are you ready for that? I am focused. Right on. <laughs> First question, and, and this may be an easy one for you, but what book have you gifted most often? Man, that's a good question. Um, I do gift a lot of books, and I've, I've actually, after reading a thousand books, I've got this little package I call the the makeover mentor box it's uh it's basically it's it's 13 books um but the one I'm recommending the most right now 
is Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Mm. I've just been, I've, I've been addicted to David Goggins and Jordan Peterson for, for quite some time now. That was a great book. I li- Did you listen to his audio version of that? I'm doing that next as soon as I've, I've, uh, I've got one more chapter to read in that particular book. Uh-huh. Um, the other one, the other great book is 12 uh, Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. Right on. But I've heard the audio is amazing. It's cool because they, they riff a little bit, kind of like what we're doing on podcast style um, in between some of the chapters and you just get a little more detail and insight into it. So I totally recommend the audio version as well. Nice. Um, if you could get an hour of someone's time, past or present, uh, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted of them, who would that person be and why? I'd say Jordan Peterson right now um, because he's – he's an expert in the field of psychology. And mm-hmm. if you understand how human beings work, that's, that's 90% of 99% of the game, understanding how, how humans work in general so that you can sort yourself out and then you can figure out how to best serve other humans with your products and services. Amen. Well said. Uh, what is one thing that you believe most people would disagree with you on? I would say that you need a backup plan. Mm. Can you uh, expand on that just a little bit? Yeah, I, I, I really feel, um, and not to hurt anybody's feelings, but I kind of feel like plan B is for losers. Uh, it's, it's for those that aren't fully committed to going after what they actually want. And so I just don't believe that you need to, to build all these contingency plans around what ifs. You simply need to get clear on what you want and every day take what you think is the most appropriate action to get you there the fastest. What is, uh, give us a glimpse of your morning routine. I wake up, um, I typically shower and then, uh, I will spend a little bit of time with my kids, get them ready for school with my wife. I take them to school. Uh, almost every day I take them to school. I go to, uh, 90 degree hot yoga in the mornings, um, 8.30 to 9.30 usually. I spend about an hour in my office just preparing my thoughts for the day. I have about, um, was the question morning routine or full day? Well, I I am now curious in the way that you structure (laughs) your day. So keep rolling. I love it. Yeah. So after after yoga, I spend about an hour collecting my thoughts. Um, I usually will have either client um, strategy calls or podcasts um, for about three, four hours. And then I usually will pick up my daughter from school, go on a walk. She walks dogs for a little side job. Mm. Um, I have dinner with the family and, and wake up and rinse and repeat. Right on. Um, I ask that question a lot of the time because so many people are convinced that you have to wake up at 3 a.m., do yoga, drink a green thing, and you know, yeah. read 12 books and all that stuff. So I, I like to get insight into what other people do that are also successful. Well, I would say for so many years, man, I mean, for, for literally a decade, I was always working. I'm, I'm breaking my own patterning right now because I'm, I'm learning to just relax and enjoy life again. Um, I went through it for so long and was grinding it out that now it's like, things are going to happen or not happen. And so I've been really focused for the last year on, on systems and team, you know, how do Mm -hmm. I build systems that 
allow me to not work quite so hard because I worked really, really hard for a long time. Right on. So as we're rounding this out here, what is the best place online that we can find you the most? My website is themakeovermaster.com and I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Mike Young Makeovers. Mike, thank you so much. If uh, the audience cares to connect with you, which I'm sure they will, uh, I'm going to drop all of that into the show notes so it's easy to find themakeovermaster.com. And uh, Mike, what was, what was your handle again? At Mike Young Makeovers at Mike Young Makeovers. And um, you've got a pretty awesome podcast, which I am a subscriber and a fan of. So um, people, if you're on your phone, definitely go uh, check that out as we wrap this one out, uh, wrap this one up and go uh, subscribe because he's got some great content and some great guests over there at the Makeover Podcast. Yeah, I would just, I'd say Hans, just to wrap it up with you is, is, the absolute shortcut, especially if you are not getting the results you want, is, is clarity. Uh, get clear on what you want. Find somebody that's already done what you're trying to do and, and hire them as a mentor, a coach, or work for them for free in whatever way you can. That, that's the hack. The hack is, is clarity on what you want, finding somebody that's already done it, and surround yourself with those people. That is, uh, we're just going to sign it off right there because that's awesome. Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate your time and appreciate you being a guest on the show. You got it, man. Thanks for having me on. And that wraps it up for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to connect with Mike, uh, I have dropped all of his information down in the show notes. His website is themakeovermaster.com and he is at Mike Young Makeovers on all major, major social media platforms, which again are in the show notes. And while you're down in the show notes, uh, why don't you find my Calendly link and, and hop on a time to uh, get a call in with me. I'd love to have a conversation with you to learn who you are, what you're interested in, what it is that you're liking on the show, and generally how I can make it a better experience for you. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and sign it off here. So this is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief SNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play.